Any trail runner knows that footwear is one of the most important parts of any FKT. Things can go south pretty quickly if you don't have perfect fit and comfort for the long haul, which is why we want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Speedland. They just released their all-new trail footwear with the SL PDX, featuring the highest quality components available today. The upper actually has a fit system that's never been used in a running shoe before. It's the dual BOA LI2 dials that allow for incremental forward and reverse tightening. This is huge because as your foot swells during long efforts, you can loosen the forefoot to accommodate for swelling while the top of the foot remains locked in. Meanwhile, you have an aggressive Michelin outsole to keep you secure and a P-Bax midsole with a Carbitex plate for ultimate responsiveness. There's nothing else like it on the market. Plus, we love that they give back to 10% of all profits to outdoor organizations chosen by their athletes, which is far and away the most we've ever heard of a company giving back. They also have a huge focus on sustainability. Once the SLPDX reaches the end of its life cycle, they'll send you a prepaid label to send back to them where they'll deconstruct it and distribute it to specific recycling facilities. It's pretty much everything you'd want from an outdoor company. Anyway, learn more about them and pick up the SLPDX over at runspeedland.com. We'll put the link in our show notes and don't forget to follow them on Instagram at runspeedland and ask them any questions about the product and how it can work for you. Welcome, welcome everyone. It's so good to be in the same virtual, very virtual room with you. I like these podcasts. I like the fastest known podcast, talking with the fastest known people. Today is no exception. Here's a person who said he was a mediocre college runner and then ran the marathon, Olympic marathon trials qualifiers in 218. Doesn't sound mediocre to me. We are speaking with Zach Bevan from uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome, Zach. Yeah, thanks, Buzz. I appreciate you having me on. Well, it's the Southeast, you know, Kentucky. Sometimes the FKT scene seems a little weighted out West, which Mm -hmm. we don't want it to be. I don't really like that. And so I'm very happy to talk to someone from Kentucky. Uh, You had a little rain there recently, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty rainy summer, so. Um, but normal. Yeah, normal. Better than, uh, God, speaking about West, better than the desert or the drought that they're dealing with out there. That just, that looks rough. I agree. I agree completely. Um, I'm based in Colorado, and uh, a place, a destination a lot of people like, the destination I've called home since 1969, and now I'm spending summers in Michigan. I'll have you all know where there is clean air and there is no drought. Indeed, out my window is part of 95% of the fresh water in the United States, the Great Lakes. So, yeah, I know what you mean. The East is real. So, good work, Zach. Yeah. No, I've always had, growing like through college, I always had that like impulse, like after college, I want to move West, train it in Flagstaff and everything and, you know, trail run, mountains, all that um, mountains, they still, they still call to me, but the older I've gotten, the more I've realized how in love I am with, you know, the lush green East. And, um, I definitely want to do some more exploring out West, but I think my heart is definitely set out, you know, in the East. Well, speaking of college, you graduated from college with a dual degree in mechanical engineering and a master's in business administration in the spring of 2017, a dual, these are serious degrees. This isn't like pottery. And then you quit on your fourth day. So fill us in here, Zach, what's up? 
So um, University of Kentucky, which is where I went, has a program where um, engineering students can stick around for an extra year and get an MBA for free um, if you hit the required like GRE or GMAT scores, which I did. Um, and after college, I wasn't really ready to jump right into the real world. So I decided to you know, take advantage of this extra year of free school. Um, never really been exposed to business before, but you know, it was a great opportunity. So uh, I went through the program, had a great time, um, then just kind of thought of that as a bonus year and then started an engineering job like I had always planned going through undergrad, majoring in mechanical engineering. Um, and on the fourth day or third day, second day, decided it wasn't just you had a, like a deep feeling that it was not what I was really meant to be doing and um, quit on the fourth day. I was paid for two, two hours of administrative time to quit on the fourth day <laughs> um, and went back to work at a local run shop that I've been working at through uh, the last couple of years of college in my grad program in Lexington at John's Red Walk Shop. Um, hmm. yeah. Well, this is this is interesting. So I come from this era where that would have been shocking. Maybe it's still is surprising. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But one might think that three days on the job is kind of brief, and you took a major pay cut to go work at a running shop from an engineering position. I yeah. may presume a bit of a yes, a bit of a pay cut. <laughs> but you were fine. Yeah. I mean, it was a combination of things of like, I knew what I wanted to pursue at that time in my life, which was the trial standard. Um, knew I wanted to be in the environment of working around the sport and, you know, the industry of running. Um, and it kind of had struggled through the last bit of college with debating between the quote unquote safe route of engineering and the route that my heart was set on, which is a little less defined um, of trying to like, make a career within the running industry or the, you know, the footwear industry. Um, you know, a, a lot of people, when you grow up or as you're growing up, it's like, Oh, you, you study hard, you work hard and you become a doctor, you become an engineer, you become a lawyer. Um, and that is the path to the, like to success. Um, and I always kind of struggled with that, but, you know, put those doubts aside and, um, did, did all the right stuff. And at, at the last moment I kind of mission aborted, um, and, decided to kind of go where my heart was taking me. Um, and recently I have started a job at New Balance. So um, it seems like everything has kind of worked out the way that I was hoping it would. Um, and that, you know, following my heart was the right decision. So, uh, but yeah, yet to be seen. We'll see how the rest, you know, the rest of the story goes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Interesting. Interesting. Because degrees in mechanical engineering are not easily come by. I mean, you, you have to work for that. You, uh, that's, that's a tough one. And then three days on the job and I'm out of here. I want to focus on running. And you did. So in your bio, and listeners should know, as usual, go to the website. You can read Zach's bio in the written show notes. And he writes here, sports highlights, mediocre college runner. That's not me. That's him. 2020 Marathon Olympic Trials Qualifier, qualifier 218. Hmm, that's a quick jump. Zach, you move quickly. You went from mediocre college runner to 218 Marathon uh, and uh, a degree in mechanical engineering to working at a run shop. You, man, you, you don't. A rolling Stone gathers no moss is your yeah. slogan. Yeah, exactly. 
stay busy. <laughs> and so now you're going to work for New Balance. Is that as a tech rep, sales rep, or what are you going to be doing? Uh, it's more like on the operations side, supporting sales reps. So um, I'm actually, my account base is the East Coast of Run Specialty. So I support the sales reps on the operations side um, of the East Coast Run Specialty. So um, yeah, my, my background in the Run Specialty world is definitely valuable there. Yes. And they probably noticed your MBA as well. Yeah, that probably didn't hurt. <laughs> You're a little understated, I suspect. But uh, good for you. New Balance is a privately owned company. It's not corporate owned. So yeah. it's an interesting mm -hmm. company to work for. And so they're still innovating. They're still doing a lot of cool things. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great shoes. <laughs> Indeed. Now I'm looking at your race results. We notice that even though you appear to be a very uh, soft-spoken, intelligent young man, you're actually sort of an extreme person here. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure you out, Zach, so you have to help me out here. I'm looking at your race results here, and on ultra sign-up, you have seven finishes and seven wins. So according to this, you've never lost an ultra race. Is, am I reading this correctly? Um, I have... I think a couple DNSs that I registered for on, on there. And I definitely have one DNF. I'm not sure if that's on ultra sign up. I haven't actually checked. Um, but the DNF was me being greedy after strolling gym this past spring, trying to run a 50 K like three weeks later, um, got to mile 20 and it was not happening. Um, but yeah, of the ones I've finished, I don't think I've ever lost an ultra, <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't run a ton of them. So. <laughs> okay. I like it. Um, because you know, Tunnel Hill, that's the 54th fastest American. I mean, you did this in 503. In Strolling Gym, you beat the course record, which was 30 years old. And, of course, you have the rim to rim to rim to rim to rim, FKT and the Red River Gorge. So it's, you know, a takeoff. The, t the name of the route is a takeoff on the rim to rim in the Grand Canyon, of course. The Red River Gorge in Kentucky is terrific. That's a well-known climbing area, by the way. And so did the, how does, I mean, obviously you have an excellent race history here. How about the FKT? This is the only FKT you have. You, you've got speed up the wazoo here. So where are you going to go? Are these two working together or how do you see FKTs figuring into your racing? So this, this past FKT was kind of just by happenstance. Um, the 50K that I just talked about, alluded to that I dropped out at mile 20, um, after strolling gym that was originally supposed to be about three to four weeks out before strolling gym. And I was going to use it as a really big training stimulus, you know, last big time on feet run. Um, but there was a lot of flooding in the big South fork in Kentucky this spring. Uh, so like half the course was underwater and it had to be pushed six, eight weeks, uh, into, into May. Uh, so that didn't happen before strolling gym. And I was kind of left with, you know, my hands up in the air, like, well, I was kind of counting on this race to happen to be a really big training stimulus for my course record attempt at strolling gym. So I need something to replace that. Um, and I had seen that rim, Red River Gorge, you know, rim to rim times, however many times, um, you know, being thrown around a couple local trail running Facebook groups um, here in Kentucky. And uh, I like to poke around on the FKT site too, just, you know, it's, it's fun to poke around on um, and thought it would be a good, a good one 
to go after because the FKT there wasn't super fast. I think there was only one other time that had done it and it was, it was, it was pretty doable. Um, but just having an established, you know, goalpost of, you know, a, a course to go after in a place that I've done you know, probably more than 50% of the trail running that I've done over the past six or eight years. Um, it, it kind of spoke to me and it was like, I, this would be, I, I, my heart would be in trying to run this as fast as I can, um, treating it as, as a race effort. Um, and it's about 35, 37 miles, depending on your GPS. Um, so it seemed like a, a perfect, you know, replacement for that 50 K. Um, so I just, I went out and did it and it was, it was a blast. I mean, it was my first experience with that, the whole FKT, um, sort of thing. And I, I definitely, it kind of left me wanting to do more of them because I, the format of it is really, really cool. So, um, I've poked around some stuff in the Smoky Mountains that I've run before and, um, some other stuff in the region, but haven't quite gotten around to doing any others yet. Well, it's starting to cool off. Well, maybe not yet, but soon it will start to cool off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, balance of, if I'm going to go out there and run an FKT, I'm going to run as hard as I can, which basically turns that into a race effort. So it's also a, a question of when in, when in my race calendar can I fit something like that in? So, um, but yeah, there's definitely FKTs in my future. I think it's a really cool, um, really cool concept. And I've had my eye on the Sheltoe Trace FKT for a long time. I'd love, love to go after that at some point. Good. We hope you do. Summer's tough there, though. I mean, uh, you almost, what do you think? You, I mean, here we started this episode by noting that you're from the southeast mostly, little kind of. Is Kentucky considered the southeast? Help me out. It kind of depends on where in Kentucky you are. If you're in uh, western, yeah, western Kentucky, that is the Midwest. Lexington, that it is very much the south. Um, so, yeah, it depends on, depends on where you are. Gotcha. So you are in the southeast then? Yeah, I would, yeah, culturally, Lexington's definitely the south, southeast. So, summer is tough. I mean, it's uh, it's a little sticky. So, are you going to wait until October to have a go at uh, Sheltawi, or what are you thinking? I think Sheltawi would have to be a fall or winter attempt, just because there are, I've run, I've probably run about 70% of the trail total, just like piecewise over the last several years. There are sections of the trail that are just... You know, there's sections that are loved, like in the Red River Gorge and uh, around Moorhead that are heavily trafficked. And there are sections that just never see any, like anyone. Um, and during the summer, they can get pretty, pretty tough to follow and pretty, pretty gnarly. So um, in the winter, there's honestly, there's sections of the Daniel Boone National Forest in eastern Kentucky that are best run in winter and no other time of year, just because everything, you know, dies back and you can actually run the trail. So, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So when it's in full leaf, it's hard to see the ground. Is that what it is? Well, once the leaves fall off, then it's a little easier to navigate. Yeah, definitely certain sections of the trail. Um, but then it's funny because you'll go into a section that is well-loved and well-trafficked and it's just a completely different experience. Um, but then you get back on those, those less traveled parts and it's, yeah, it's, it's barely a footpath at some points, but um yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, you've yeah you've stuck pretty close to near as I can tell. You stuck pretty close to uh, Kentucky, strolling gyms in Tennessee, Tunnel Hills in Illinois. 
and you mentioned you'd like to do a few other things. So what is, of course, you're moving to Boston, but uh, once you start a new job, it's hard to travel. So are you going to, what, what's up? What's up, Zach? I mean, from Boston, now all of a sudden, New England is fairly close, mm-hmm. right? And of course, all of a sudden, you're in a part of the country that's seen hardcore trail racing and FKT action from the very beginning. Are you going to bounce up there a little bit or what are you thinking? Yeah. So immediate future is I'm going to run JFK this fall. That's kind of my big training push at the moment. Um, but in terms of the more general sense, I'm really excited to be in new England and, uh, explore a lot of like ski mountains in, in Vermont and New Hampshire. And I want to get over to the Adirondacks. I want to ex- explore Acadia. There's, there's a lot of stuff I want to get after in, in the Northeast that I've just, you know, never really had the chance to be around because, um, I love Kentucky, but I've kind of, I've kind of beat the opportunities here to death between the Danube National Forest and the Smoky Mountains. I've, I've beat, pretty much beat to death and, um, so I'm, I'm excited to have new, new, new terrain to explore up there. <laughs> well, JFK, very competitive. So that kind of placed your strength because you got the leg speed. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I actually see JFK as like a very strange combination of my strengths in the sport. Um, in that I have the background of a 218 marathoner. So that's really helpful on the the 26 miles on a flat towpath. Um, I've proved that I can run rolling roads at strong gym. Um, you know, ran 548 pace for over 40 miles on hilly backcountry roads, which is basically the last eight miles of that course at JFK. Um, and then the first, you know, 14, 16 are on East Coast trails, which I, you know, I have the background in in trail racing and setting the FKT at, at Red River Gorge. Um, if it was something more like along the lines of uh, like, like out West trails, like a Western States type of deal um, or a, or Yavali, Javelin a hundred or something like that. Um, I, I'm, I am not quite as confident in that, that kind of environment just cause I haven't spent a lot of time in it. Um, but you know, East coast trails, you know, flat, fast running and rolling country roads. Like those are, those are bread and butter to me. So I'm excited for the combo of the three and just, you know, string it together and see, see how it goes. I think people who are listening to this, who are thinking of entering the JFK probably decided to not enter. Uh, yeah. 548 pace on, uh, on rolling Hills. Ouch. That's uh, that's yeah, quick. It hurts. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's getting it done, man. Uh, that's, that's outstanding. That'll, I mean, because what is it? Isn't a, I'm, I'm just off the top of my head, my apologies, but it's like a 540 is a 230 marathon, isn't it? Yeah, it's something in that, that range. Yeah. I think I came through 50K at Strolling Gym in like 255 or so. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it took a lot. That, that particular race was, took me two attempts to set the course record because I had to learn how to work with the course and not against the course and attack it when it lets you attack it and back off when it doesn't. So, um, yeah, and that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of just part of learning to race ultras in general. Right. Well, the JFK, see, for a Westerner, we look at that, we just go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, your, your quad, you're going to work your quads on those hills. Mm-hmm. And you got flat and fast, the towpath. 
And if your quads are sore, that's just going to be no fun. I mean, you, you in, order, in order to keep the tempo up, your quads have to be good at that point. So I guess that's just what you got used to. Yeah, I mean, it's only it's only 14 or 15 on trails. So it's not, and a, and a few of those are on roads anyway. So it's not it's not that extreme. So at least I hope. Okay. I, might, I might eat my words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're being understated again here, but... Uh... <laughs> But that's okay. That's allowed. So it's okay for runners. I mean, I think if you're like a football player, it's not okay. But I think if you're a runner, to be humble and understated is is culturally acceptable. So this this is good. You're you're evoking a classic runner humility, Zach. So good job. Yeah. Even though I think you're a lot better than you're saying you are is what I'm kind of getting at here yeah i've always that's that was kind of part of my experience with working in run specialty and in the run groups and just you know seeing runners of all walks of life come through there is at the end of the day the experience of running and competing is the same no matter if you're running a you know 218 marathon 204 marathon or you know five hour six hour eight hour marathon if you're running hard and you're competing hard it's it's all the same experience no matter how fast you're moving over the ground so um, I don't think there's any sense for elitism or anything like that. Good call. Good call. I agree. I was out today. I was doing a stair climb, which a lot of um, tourists do. Uh, it's a very popular stair climb. I was just kind of doing a few repeats on it. And, and someone said, how many are you doing? I said, I, I didn't really want it. You know, same, I'm the same way. I didn't really want to say. Mm-hmm. But I said, as many as I feel like. Just to keep it, you know, yeah, uh-huh. they said, oh, you're amazing. And I immediately said without thinking, we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's there's and I, I like you just said, I sincerely believe that we're all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. You also note in your uh, show notes here that you have run the second fastest rosé mile. <laughs> hmm. Now, everyone knows about the beer mile. But a rosé mile, is this when you drink a glass of rosé wine after every lap? Yeah, um, the equivalent of a glass. But we have generally just crudely mark off quarter bottle. Like, take a bottle of rosé and crudely mark off a quarter of a bottle into four equal slices with a Sharpie. Um, and then there's one to five judges, depending on how many people don't actually want to run the rosé mile. Uh, and you, you just drink straight for the bottle and um, which is about the equivalent of a glass. And if you hit the, where your Sharpie mark is, you're allowed to go run your quarter mile and then you rinse and repeat. Um, Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty, it's pretty psychotic. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Well, I kind of hate to break you the news here, but actually classically there's five glasses of wine in a bottle. Okay. Okay. And so if you're marking it off into four, those would be considered very healthy pours. Okay, that's fair. I think the volume, <laughs> the volume, I feel like I had this discussion with many people defending the rosé mile. The total volume that you actually drink is 750 milliliters, which is pretty similar or maybe even less than four beers. Um, and there's no carbonation, so it goes down faster. The only difficult, more difficult part is that the ABV is higher. Um, but that doesn't hit you till afterwards. And then, then that's when you deal with it afterwards. But uh, interesting. That's true. Yeah. So the alcohol content is lower. 
I mean, higher, much higher, but the uh, there's no carbonation. Mm-hmm. But it takes more than six minutes for that alcohol to really get to your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So. Technique here is interesting. I imagine there's not a lot of rosé miles. This is out by this is done by Skip out there at Heldsburg Running, isn't it? What the rosé mile? Yeah. No, this is a uh, very back. Like my friend Riley invented it because he was bored with the the beer mile. So, as far uh-huh. as I know, no one else runs the rosé mile. If someone else does, please get in touch. But. Gotcha. Well, I yeah. think held, look up Heldsburg Running Company, okay. there, which is near Napa, actually Sonoma, uh-huh. so wine country. Okay. Well, we might have yeah. made a connection here. I hope so. That'd be awesome. <laughs> it would be interesting if there's two separate ideas for the same odd event. Uh-huh. But personally, I, I'd rather do, the beer mile always looked like, no, no way. It's not, I'm not doing this. Rosé mile caught my attention. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely easier. You could sign me up for something like that. <laughs> and you also did the Antelope Backyard Ultra, which I'm not sure what that is. Yes. So that's a fun event that my friend Dustin invented. Um, he is, he's uh, been a lot of, on a lot of my, he's my, my, one of my crew members and we've done a lot of running together and uh, he's a pretty prolific ultra marathoner himself. He's, just finished second at Burning River up in, uh, uh, you know, Cleveland area and has run like 120 something miles in regular backyard ultra format. Um, you know, like two thirty marathon. So he's, you know, he's, he's the real deal. Um, and he came up with the idea to create a spin on the traditional backyard ultra format called the antelope backyard ultra in which you drink a beer and eat a donut and run a mile every 15 minutes until one, only one person is standing. Um, so that's become kind of our de facto 4th of July uh, tradition that we do because we, we hate ourselves. Um, and Dustin is an incredible athlete, but he is an absolutely incredible antelope backyard ultra athlete because he has the weird, <laughs> weird skill set that's, absolutely perfect for uh being able to stomach beer and donuts and run a mile every 15 minutes okay well i'm not sure i'm not going to ask details of what that skill set might be but how to get the name antelope oh that's that's a whole other story in and of itself ah. um we were on a uh ultra relay team at one point and um just you know i think it was a 100k relay and someone wrote a racer report about the event and said that the uh, the hills were so steep that even those antelope children who won the race had to walk the hills, referring to our team. So we just kind of kind of branded ourselves as the antelope children. So. Gotcha. These are both takeoffs, if I think I could say so, on the beer mile, mm-hmm. or you drink and run. Um, the antelope one is interesting in that it's much slower. It's kind of like the backyard ultra where you can, you can, anyone can keep going. It's just a matter of, I think, how long can you keep drinking beers? So you said you did seven miles. Yes. Which obviously means you drank seven beers. They did not. This, yeah. They didn't all stay down, but <laughs> oh, yes. I see. So is this a technical clarification is required on the rules then? So you have to drink them, but. 
if you just heave them back up, is that considered good? I mean, you can just go. No, that's that's a DQ. So ah, yeah. okay, yeah, you have to consume your beer and your donut before you can go run. So generally, it's about three to five minutes to do that, and then you go trot a mile and have two or three minutes to to rest, and then it's right back at it. But in that mile, if you go behind the bush and throw up, is that considered fair play, or is that considered no, that's, gaming the system? That's kind of gaming the system. <laughs> I see. Okay. Well, that's probably just as well since that would get to be kind of a weird event otherwise, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would that would be testing all sorts of things we don't need to be testing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, takeoffs in the beer mile. Interesting how that became. Fairly popular. Beer miles are well-known in the culture. But the backyard altar, which, of course, Gary Cottrell has invented, I, in my personal opinion, the backyard ultra will live on beyond the renown of his Barkley Marathon. I think the bar- backyard ultra is a remarkable event. Yeah. It's one of these things that's uber simple. I think the coolest things are extremely simple. But when you kind of – work your way through the psychology of it, what the ramifications of it, it becomes a very, very interesting event. Yeah, no, it is. It is a really cool event. And um, I was actually around one like in person for the first time this past summer at Last Soul Standing in E-Town in Kentucky. Um, Harvey Lewis was there to crew for his, I think his fiance. Um, so I got to, I ran a couple laps with him, you know, just, not, not in the event, just kind of like, you know, we needed to get our miles in as we were crewing as well. Um, so I got to pick his brain on it a little bit and just, you know, the psychology that goes into that race and just watching, you know, the bit that I did being there to crew for a friend, it, it definitely tickled me in the right way. And I, I, I want to run one at some point, just, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily my skill set, but just the format of it is, is really interesting. Um, and I, like I said, like you said, I, I do think that's probably going to, that's here to stay. I think that's, um, and it's, it's a new race format. So I don't think we've even like scratched the surface of what people are capable of doing it for or for, in it. So, um, it'd be interesting right. to see how that the sport evolves over the years. Well, you can do it anywhere. Yeah. It's like FKTs. So FKTs have that aspect, like you said, you can be anywhere in the world going to the website. It's like a worldwide bucket list of the coolest routes and COVID could be happening. You can go out there by yourself. That's okay. It's not only okay, it's probably better. And you could create your own meaning behind it, mm-hmm. you know. And I was actually was entered in this triathlon, uh, when was this, two weeks ago. And I drove, I got up at 4 a.m. I drove two hours north. And I got there. And it was dark. I put, you know, it was raining. I put on my race bib in the dark in the rain. And they canceled it. Because of lightning, mm. which is legit. You really don't want to do a triathlon in lightning. But all of a sudden, it's like I paid the money. I schlepped myself up there. I could have done something else entirely. But instead, I had entered this thing. Well, if I was going for an FKT, I would have looked at that weather report and said, <laughs> I'm not going to move. I'm staying in bed. And then you get up the next day when you got better weather and you go do it. So, right? Yeah. There, there's it's races are good. I love to race, but on the other hand, FKTs and backyard ultras where you can create your own style mm-hmm. is me at, le- at least a little more freedom to operate and to manifest. And I think we're seeing that with your Rose mile antelope backyard, <laughs> but last told me on the uh, 
Briggs Backyard Ultra, people don't stop when they can't run any further. Mm-hmm. They stop when they think they can't win. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, I, I've tried to think, cause I, I've never <laughs> been through, like, you know, been in that situation myself, but I've tried to think through it. And like, I, you know, the mind that it's, that's not a running event. That's, that's a like mind, mind battle between people. That's yeah. It's, it's a completely mental game. So, right. which I think is super interesting. Right. Make sure Courtney DeWalter is not there if you enter. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some psycho people out there who are just insanely good at that. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, there's another, the second ramification is, is once you're the last person standing, you're done. Yeah. You don't keep going. Mm-hmm. That means that they're doing numerous competitions, say, around the world, it takes two to tango. Yeah. Now I've always thought it's super interesting. If you want to set a record, you need someone to go with you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, I like it, Zach. You've, you've thought it through as many of us have. And uh, if you do it, I'll be sure to follow your progress from afar. Yeah, no, some, one of these days. I'm trying to use the speed that I have left while I have it to do Although now I think of like 50 miles stuff as speed, marathon stuff as speed, but um, want to exploit it while I still have it and then kind of move on, you know, 100 mile backyard ultra stuff from there. So I think sub sixes on the trail count as speed. Yeah. Yeah. For now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach, I always ask people what's next, but you've told us it's JFK. What's the date on that? Uh, it's the weekend of November 20th. I can't think of it as November okay. 20th, the Saturday. All right. So John F. Kennedy, it really is named after him. Uh, you know, when he had this push for physical fitness, I, um, one of the first presidents, one of the first national government bodies to say we should be healthy and fit. He was, he was way ahead of his time. So I think this is a legit thing to celebrate. It's a good name. Yeah. No, I didn't realize how, I mean, I knew it was like one, the oldest ultra marathon or one of the oldest in the country, but I think it was like 1963 or something insane. It is really old. Um, so I'm excited to go up there and kind of not just stack myself up against the field, but against, you know, all the times that have been run there in history. Cause, uh, it's one of the cool things is ultra running, there's not a ton of races out there with that much history to, you know, compare yourself against. So I'm interested to see, you know, where I stand in that list. I'm interested to see how you stand that list also, Zach. Thank you. Thanks for letting us get to know you a little bit better. This has been very edifying. I'm still pondering the sub six minute miles on uh, more than marathon distance on a trail. This is, this is good. Yeah, no, it's uh it's been a fun journey, so I appreciate you you having me on. And good luck at New Balance, a fine company, and they're still innovating shoes. Yeah, no, great shoes. I'll be racing in them. So, Good luck, Zach. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Buzz. Appreciate you having me on.